Hey, everybody. Um, well, as Mike said, I'm going to continue the message today on the orphan heart. And uh, we are going to be talking about the prodigal son story, and we're going to be focusing on the older brother this week. And I'm just going to have to um, ask your forgiveness ahead of time because I know that I'm going to stomp on your toes today because I stomped all over my own this week. As I'm studying it, I'm realizing, wow, this is still showing up in my life, and I've been studying this forever. And I saw where it still shows up in my life. So this is a process. I'm probably going to offend some of you, or at the very least, you're going you're gonna to walk out feeling a little bit poked. Um, that is not my intent. Actually, it is. Um, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Um, but just, just be aware that we're putting on our um, self-awareness hat today. As I deliver this message, hey, what are you doing here? Okay, sorry. As I deliver this message, um, I want you to put on your self-awareness hat of, of realizing, like, we're going to look inside of ourselves and see where this shows up. We're not going to get stuck in shame about it, and um, we're gonna, we, we have to recognize it in order to walk into freedom. And so if you were not here last week, um, the orphan heart is, it's, I'm not trying to be cryptic or weird when I talk about it. It's, it's, um, it's really just a, a word that we use, a title that we use to describe a heart condition, to describe a behavior that many of us walk in, if not all of us, to some small degree. Um, it's basically our sin nature, and it shows up with us looking like an orphan or a servant. And so I talked about this last week. An orphan heart is a misunderstanding of God's heart towards us. It's causing us to believe that we are on our own to figure things out, like we are abandoned and alone, and no one is there to help us. So part of the problem with the orphan heart is that we don't experience the loving and abiding presence of Holy Spirit throughout our everyday lives. Um, Chris Velaton, he describes it like this. He says, an orphan spirit will keep you boxed into the limiting belief that you will never have what you need because you are left to survive all on your own. And some of the resources, you know, Mike had said he doesn't want to stomp on my message. It's not my message. There's so, many, there's so much stuff out there, so stomp away. <laughs> Everybody should be preaching the orphan heart message because we all walk in it a little bit. And we all need some freedom from it. And so... Um, these are some resources that, that I have looked at in the last two or three years or so. And I can't remember when I started studying it. I think it was 2019. So um, Experiencing the Father's Embrace by Jack Frost, Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship, and then Healing the Orphan Spirit by Leif Hetland. Leif Hetland is probably the one that I've studied the most in the last t uh, year, 10 months or so. And um, he's just got some really great stuff on it. So... Um, one of the things I wanted to just start with today is some really good news. Uh, we're going to go with Romans chapter 8, verses uh, 14 through 15. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And so the first thing I want us to know is that we were created for sonship. That is why God created us. And just caveat here, 
We were also created for daughtership, but that doesn't flow off the tongue very well. And so today I'm going to say daughtership. So just know that I'm, I'm including you ladies in on this. We were created for sonship, for adoption. We were created to be um, part of the benefits of being a son and a daughter of God. We were not created for fear and slavery and servanthood and disconnection. We were not created for that. And so we were also created to be fascinated by God, to be completely fascinated, enamored by God in the presence of God. And we were also created for love and belonging with one another. And when, when we don't have fascination with God or we have a disconnection or we're disconnected from people, that, that void will be filled somewhere else. You will look to fulfill your fascination with God with something else, which is what we ran into last week when we talked about the, um, the younger brother in the story. And so I, I will just go right into that because he tried to fill his, his fascination with all these other things. And so I'm just going to recap part of that um, part of the story in Luke 15, I think it starts in Luke 15, 11 through, through 32, is, is the story of the prodigal son. And Jesus is talking, he is telling the story, and he's speaking to a group of people, Pharisees included, and he's trying to explain to them and describe to them the character and nature of God. And before this story is the parable of um, the lost coin, um, and also the parable of the lost sheep. And so Jesus is trying to explain to them who the father is. And so here comes the story of the father with two sons, or the father with the prodigal son. Um, and he describes it as there is a father and he had two sons. And the younger of them came and said to his father, Father, give me my share of inheritance. And so, and he did, and which, by the way, is kind of insulting would you not agree that if you went to your father and you said, hey, I can't wait for you to die, so will you go ahead and give me my share of inheritance now? Thanks, because I'm going to, i got some things to do. And um, so this, but this is what happened. So he came to his father and his father said, his father was like, okay, I'll give you your share of inheritance. I'll give some to you and I'll give some to your older brother. We don't know why he did this. And he ends up several days later just going away and trying to just sow his oats. We don't know what he was doing. He was just out there doing what he wanted to do. We don't know why he did this, but we can speculate that the younger brother was maybe bitter uh, because his older brother had in Deuteronomy, the, the way that the inheritance would have, would have gone is that the older brother would have gotten two-thirds of what the younger brother did. So was he just upset that, we don't know why, but you just wonder, was he just upset that, well, why, am I, why do I only get a third of the inheritance? Does that mean I'm less than? Does that mean I'm not equal in value to my older brother? Am I always going to live in your um, shadow? So I'm just going to take what's mine and I'm going to go find my way on my own. We don't know why he did it, but that's, that's what he did. He goes off and he, he um, just like Mike described, he, he went out there and famine came. He spent all of his money and famine came. And he was left in destruction and um, so he went to work 
for a farmer or some place that had pigs, which by the way, if he was Hebrew, being around pigs, they were unclean. And so this was the worst of the worst, the, me, the most humble that he could have ever been. This would be my equivalent to being in jail, right? You know, like you, you get to that place um, where, where you're at the end of yourself and you realize you're like, this is way past where I thought this was going to go. You know, this is way past my comfort level here. I have definitely gone too far. Um, for me, that was me sitting in a jail cell. And um, it took that far for me to look around and go, I don't belong here. <laughs> this is, this ain't it. I don't know what's happening, but this is not, this is not it. So he had his moment in the pig pen where he was like, I should go home. And um, because he thought to himself, well, even the servants get fed at my house. So I will go home and eat I will go home like a servant. I, I know that I, I'm not going to deserve to be a son. I'm going to go home like a servant, and I will still at least be fed. And that's in the whole way home, as he's stinking, as Mike said, in the whole way home, he's just walking around. He's practicing his speech of how he's going to tell his father, Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants, but please just don't let me die. But the father saw him coming. And ran out to greet him and embraced him and kissed that disgusting man and said, get the robe, get the ring, get the shoes, bring him into the celebration because we are going to celebrate. I thought you were dead and you are alive and you are my son. Don't even, don't even finish what you said about being a servant. I'm not even going to have it. Come on in. Come on into the celebration. And so that's where we left last week as we talked about the, um, the younger brother. And so one of the things that we noticed last week is that shame, fear, and unworthiness show up in that younger brother uh, orphan. We'll just call it like the uh, orphan with the younger brother bend or younger brother orphan. I don't know, because there's <laughs> there are two ways that you can go when it comes to this orphan heart, is that you can behave like a younger brother, or you can behave like an older brother. And sometimes we do both. I mean, we can have a foot on both sides, really. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, but but the, the younger brother, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of shame, there's a lot of... Um, just uncertainty, and that shows up in the, the orphan heart with the younger brother bend. And so we talked about that last week. I'm not going to go further into it because it was a long message last week, and so you just go find it. So anyway, we're going to pick up now with the older brother. We're going to talk about the older brother. And so here we are. We are in Luke chapter 15, verse 25. Now, his, so all of this happened in the story and so the younger brother is, or the older brother is coming up. Now his older son was in the field, and as he, as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he, can anybody else just hear the skit from last week as I read this? I, I, I hear Bryce, what does this mean? <laughs> okay, sorry, you missed that. You guys got to look that up if you weren't here. Okay, and he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. 
his father came out and entreated him. And he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and his and is found. So. Both sons were raised in the father's house because this was a this was an allegory of representing father God. But both sons were raised in the father's house and both of them missed the heart of the father. Right? The older one or the younger one for whatever reason wanted to go away and when he finally came back he's like, "Well, I'll just come back as a servant. My father will have me then." He didn't know How did he not know that the heart of the father was always going to be there for him to receive him back in? And the older brother, he works for him like a servant this whole time. And I wonder if Jesus brought this to us to let us know how easy it can be to serve God and miss his heart. You can be in the house of the Father and still miss the heart of the Father. We can be in God's house and we can miss it. So, I'm going to share with you my story. Because I told you last week about my my prodigal story and how the Lord brought me in and I had the ring and the robe and my sandals, and I walked in in sonship for many years. I mean, there were moments of, of um, you know, orphan thinking and all of that, but man, I loved the Lord, and the zeal that I had for the Lord, the, the childlike faith that I had, I believed him for so many crazy things, and you know what? He showed up, and he delivered, and I was just, just naively, awesomely on fire for God for many years. And then a series of disappointments came, and it started with the death of my father in 2009. And um, that was, I was, that was, that messed me up. Because I really put my heart out there. And we were really believing for my dad to be healed. And that really messed me up. That hurt so deeply. And I didn't want to be mad at God because I knew his goodness, but I couldn't help but have some questions. And when I get offended, you can ask any one of my friends, when I get offended, I pull back. And I build some walls. And I back away. And that's what began to happen with me with the Lord, is I didn't get it. I didn't understand what happened. And then more things kept happening. I was betrayed by a mentor. It was a really ugly situation. And I felt like my name was dragged through the mud. Um, I was, let's see what, oh, I was left to care for my mom who was sick because my dad died. And so then I was just mad at my dad. Like, how could you leave me here with this 
my mother who is sick, that was your job to take care of her. And anyway, and so anyway, I care for my mom until she passed away. My son had an anaphylactic reaction to a tree nut, and so he was um, having these uh, like life-threatening issues, you know, and so I'm, I'm all paranoid about that. Two months later, he's two years old, two months later, he's diagnosed with autism. And, um, and that was just a lot of uncertainty and a lot of fear, a lot, a lot of fear. So I went through this season of just, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm very confused. I'm very confused that all these things can happen, that they can come at me. And I was like, where is God's favor? How are you letting this happen to me? What, what, wh- why? You know, why am I going through all this? And, and because of my personality, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, you kick me down, I'm getting back up. You know what I'm saying? That is part of my personality. And when that is partnered with the grace of God, that's pretty awesome. But when it's not, it's not awesome. So, um, so I did. I picked myself up, but I was still distant from the Lord. But I began to, to get better. You know, I started pulling it back together. I was, because I was a disheveled mess. But I started pulling it back together, because that's just what I do. And, um, and a few years ago, I was hired here as the next generation pastor. And, and I was thinking to myself, okay, we're, good things are going to start happening. This is going to be a good thing, you know, and everything's going to be smooth. But I still kept running into relational issues inside my home, here at the church, with friendships. And I hate relational issues. I hate conflict. It stomps on that thing inside of me that that needs to be liked by everyone. We talked about this last week. I'm aware it's not a good thing. But I have have had this deep need for people to like me and to have approval. And so when I begin to get into conflict, it stomps on that thing and it makes me feel unworthy and inferior and it makes me feel just just gross. You know, it just, I just am like, oh, this is the worst feeling ever. So I just feel like a failure is basically what it is. And so I'm still going through all this stuff and I'm trying to press through and I'm trying to muddle through. And, um, and every bad thing I went through felt like punishment from God. I'm like, I'm being punished. That's what's happening is he doesn't see me. There's no favor on me. Why won't you look my way? Can't you see that I am suffering here and you won't look my way? And it was just a devastating season for me. You know, during that time, I didn't take criticism well. I didn't, um, I just had a hard time not taking it personally, you know, and the worst version of me shows up when I feel attacked. And so then, you know, then you're filled with shame because then, oh, it's just a mess. But I felt abandoned and alone, left to deal with this mess all on my own. I was in God's house, and I didn't know his heart. And here's was the big kicker for me is that when I was in my darkest time and, and 
all of the pain that I had gone through, the undealt with pain, and all of the emotions that I was going through, and everything that I was just holding on the inside, eventually became physical. I eventually did some damage (laughs) physically. You know, Caroline Leaf talks about how um, 87 to 95% of sickness and disease is caused from toxic thinking, that our toxic thinking actually makes us sick. And that's what I did to myself. I was under so much stress and so much duress and so much um, emotional baggage that I ended up making myself sick. And so I was going through that time, and I remember it like it was yesterday. I was walking up my stairs, and I was crying out to the Lord. I was like, Lord, I physically feel like I am in a prison cell. It feels cold and dark, and I feel alone. Why won't you deliver me from this prison? This is awful. Get me out of this pain. (coughs) Excuse me. And the Lord said to me, I didn't put you in that prison. You did. You built this prison to keep people out so that they wouldn't hurt you. Do you like it here? Do you feel safe? I was like, no. You can tear it down. You built it. It's on you to tear it down. And so this is when I went, yeah, because it's not getting any, this is not fun. This place is not fun. And so this is when I started studying the older brother. This is when I started studying the orphan spirit, really, like, really going after it. Like, this is going to be my number one mission is to get free. And here's what I realized this week as I'm listing out and I'm studying this. I realized that there's still something, a symptom of the older brother that I still do today. And I went, ah! So I was so frustrated. But anyway, okay, so here's what we're going to do is we're going to break, we're going to take the story of the older brother and we are going to use what he did to make kind of a list of symptoms of the older brother. Cool? Okay. So the first thing that we know is that the older brother experienced loss when the younger brother went away. Imagine that if you were the older brother And here, you and your younger brother are raised together in the house of the father, and you probably daydreamed about running the family business together or how it was all going to go, and you spent time daydreaming about what your lives were going to be like, and then he left? That had to hurt. So older brothers... Older brothers and sisters, that's right. (laughs) Older brothers don't give themselves time to grieve and process pain. They typically don't go through the proper channels to process pain and things that they go through in a healthy way. That was for sure what was happening with me. The pain and disappointment that I went through, I was stuffing it. I kept thinking, you know better than this. Like, you just, you're going to be fine. Stuff it. 
So here is the thing, is that pain demands a response. You, it demands a response. You can either deal with pain in a healthy way. You can process it in a healthy way. Or you can stuff it. Now, if you stuff it, it doesn't stuff easily, okay? You either have to take the younger brother path and numb it with uh, food, drugs, alcohol, porn, work, right? Or the other way that you stuff it is when you partner with unhealthy defense mechanisms like anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, even anxiety can be a defense mechanism. We'll learn about that in a little bit. Blame. Pain demands a response. And if we refuse to deal with it, we have to do something to keep it stuffed down. Younger brother or older brother? So the next thing that we know, number two, the older brother stayed and served his father like a servant rather than a son. And so think about the younger brother watching his father watch for the younger brother. So many times we watch other people's behavior and we make up a story in our head about why they're doing that or how that affects us. What if the older brother sat there and watched his father watch for his son and he said, well, he's not going to look my way unless I'm working really hard. He's probably so distracted by his pain I'm not going to go to him with any of my needs. I'll just do my work. I'll just shut up and do my work because he's distracted. So I'll just work really hard. I'll just work really hard. I'm not going to be like my older brother or my younger brother, and I'm not going to be needy. I don't have any needs. I'm just going to put them aside. So the older brothers become slaves to religion, working for God's favor and love, working for God to turn his face towards them. And the older brothers hold back, expressing their hopes and dreams for the sake of not hurting someone. Because I wonder if the older brother also had thought about, what if I, I could take this money and I could go start a different business? But I wonder if he stayed out of obligation. I don't want to hurt my dad, so I'm going to stay. That devastated my dad that my younger brother left, so I'm going to stay. So they take on the false responsibility to help manage someone else's emotions. They settle for what looks like the right thing instead of exploring what is in their heart.
So the third thing that the older brother did was we know that he longed to have a young goat to kill and eat and celebrate with his friends, but he never asked for it. Remember, that came out at the end. He's like, well, you never gave me a young goat. And the Lord's like, you never asked for it. Why didn't you ever ask for it? But, you know, when you think about how the older brother is sitting there and he's watching his father watch for the younger brother and you think, I can't ask. You know, was he trying to protect him? Protect his heart, protect his needs? So this thing right here, older brothers have a hard time expressing their needs, wants, and offenses. They feel like a burden or that their needs aren't important. This is the one this week that I went, I still do this. If I'm hurt or something happened and it zings me the wrong way, I don't say anything. And I would like to say, and I'm sure, are you guys, you guys do that too? Yeah. So for me, and I'm just going to be really vulnerable. I'm just going to be really vulnerable. Yes, it, a lot of it is because I feel like I, I don't want to hurt somebody else, right? You don't, I, well, now I'm just putting that on them. If I tell them that what happened, it hurt my heart, that's just going to hurt them, you know, and I don't want to hurt somebody else, you know. I'll just, I will just suck it up, and I will just, I'll just manage it on my own. I'll take it to the Lord, and it's just between me and the Lord, and it's going to be fine. But I think the other thing that I'm trying to do is that I really, I really hate vulnerability. And I really hate weakness. And if I tell you that what you did hurt me, that's going to make me look bad. I'm actually managing your image of me. And I, I hate weakness and vulnerability. But the Lord has called me to be, he literally used the words, painfully vulnerable in public settings. That's what he told me. Thank you. But this week, this is what got me of, oh, I do this. I take this older brother. But here's the thing that we figure out. Because you smush your needs down, you smush your needs down. But when did the older brother finally confront his dad about the young goat? When he got mad. Right? We stuff it, we stuff it, we stuff it until we're mad enough that it finally comes out. That is older brother thinking. That's older brother living. So here's the fourth thing we know is that the older brother was very emotional. He was very angry, very bitter, very jealous. So remember, the orphan spirit comes along and says, when we're in the middle of our pain, the orphan spirit, the spirit behind the mindset, comes along and says, you don't ever want to feel that pain again. That was awful. 
let me help you. Let me help you not feel that pain again. Build the walls. Disconnect. Partner with anger. Use fear. You're on your own. No one's going to help you here. That's what that orphan spirit says to us. So some of the, the emotions that we have to navigate when, the, when that, orf, that older brother is starting to come on us and we go through pain, the first thing at least that I feel, when I th- go through any pain, the first thing that I feel is inadequacy. Every time. I am inadequate to handle this situation. I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know how we're going to get out of this. I am inept. I don't even know if that's the right word. I am unequipped, not equipped. I don't have it. I ain't got it. And so right after that feeling comes fear. Because if I ain't got it, what are we going to do? I'm not going to be okay. What, what are you going to do? What if, what if your inadequacy actually sabotages everything that you love? And so fear begins to come in. And then comes anxious thoughts. Because anxious thoughts and anxiety are a response to fear. Because anxious thoughts says, it comes along and it says, Hey, just so you're prepared, I want you to use that God-given imagination of yours to come up with every worst case scenario that you could possibly think of in order to protect yourself and prepare yourself from what might be coming. Because if you spin every single scenario, you're, it's definitely going to help you. You're definitely going to be more prepared. Isn't that working so well? Yeah, but we think it does. So now we've partnered with anxious thoughts, and we think it's helping us. I'm just going to do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. But it is a defense mechanism, by the way, anxious thoughts. You use it to protect you. So then comes offense. I've gone through all this pain. I'm going through the, through the inadequacy, the fear, the anxious thoughts. Who can I blame it on? That's the other thing that I realized I still do. Who can I blame it on? Because it can't be my fault. That feels too awful. It's got to be you. (laughs) But we become annoyed, resentful, bitter. And then comes shame. And shame says... Don't let anybody know that you're struggling. Because that looks weak. Oh, that's what I'm doing. Shame. Okay. But that looks weak. Don't tell anybody you're struggling. How long you been saved and you're offended? That's ridiculous. You should never, you know, because Christians, we don't get offended. Because that's offensive so we don't talk about our offense shameful why can't we just be honest wow that hurt 
Don't know why, but that stung. That hurt. But then we then then anger comes. We partner with that. A lot of times when we've got the older brother syndrome going on, anger is just the the underlying just bubbling because it's safe. Anger is a defense mechanism that makes us feel powerful in powerless situations. If anger is present most of the time, that is a telltale sign. It is a red flag. It is a here's your sign. You have, you feel powerless. That's what anger is. It is a powerful emotion in the midst of powerlessness. Have I stepped on any toes? Okay. <clears throat> so <laughs> let's hurry up and move on. Okay. Oh, this one's going to hurt too. Gosh, you guys, I'm sorry. They all hurt. Okay, so the fifth one, the older brother refused to celebrate his brother's return. So the older brothers have a hard time celebrating with others as they get promoted, they get blessed, or have favor. And this can be at our job, at school, on a team, in ministry, on social media. Kids, you guys know. You go through the whole, they got their work done before me, and they got to go to a break, and I didn't. They made the team and I didn't. Yeah. But it happens all the time, right? We even watch, even on social media, you watch people, they're like, what are they doing on vacation? What do they do to deserve a good vacation? Why don't I get a vacation? <laughs> right? <laughs> but you watch people get promoted around you. Well, I definitely wouldn't have picked her for the next-gen pastor. I don't know if anybody actually said that. Don't tell me if they did. (laughs) But really, we do, right? And it's not that we're not happy for the person. We're probably happy for the person. But we think, why didn't I get it? Why aren't you looking my way, God? Why don't you see me? I want that. And that is the orphan mentality. The orphan mentality thinks that if they got promoted, then I won't be. Because there's only enough pie to go around. You get your slice and I get a different. If you took the blessing slice, then I don't get any blessing. And it's like what you don't understand that in the, in the, the world of the kingdom of God, that everybody gets a pie. You get the whole pie. You get the blessing. You get the um, whatever, the prosperity, the health, all of that. You get the whole pie. If someone else is eating their slice of pie, that is actually prophecy for you to know that you will be getting a piece of that pie soon. You can look at what somebody else's success and go, ha, they got that. I can have that. I can have that too, and I want that. Okay, make sure I got this all. Yep. So the sixth thing that the older brother did was he refused to enter the feast. So the older brothers, they feel like outsiders. They're outside of the celebration 
not able to come inside. Now, in this case, it was because he didn't want to come inside, and that's probably the case for all of us. But do you ever feel like that, like I'm an outsider, I can't come in? You know, the... He wouldn't come in from the field. He wouldn't stop working, and he wouldn't come in to the place of celebration or the place of rest. So the other thing that the older brothers do is they have a hard time loosening up in joyful situations, have a hard time celebrating wins. It's another thing that I know that I do. I'm so focused on what's coming next that I can't just relax in the moment and celebrate when a win happens. The other thing that an older brother does is he says, I don't agree with what's happening in there in that celebration, so I'm going home. I put on there, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. I'm not going to run your play, really. I'm not going to run your play because that play's stupid. That is stupid what you're doing in there. You're celebrating that and that's, I'm not, nope, I'm not doing it. And part of sonship is running somebody else's play. And it's saying, wow, I don't agree and I don't see it. But I love you, Father, and I trust you. And I'll go celebrate with you. All right, so this is the last one. <laughs> so the older brother took it personally when his father came out to entreat him. So this is the other thing that the older brother does. Is the older brother, he, I mean, he was like, he was offended that his father even came out and corrected him. And he was like, I've never disobeyed you. I've always done what you said. I cannot believe that you're asking me to go in here. He took it very personally. So older brothers view correction, discipline, and even trials as punishment. You are punishing me. That's how I felt in the trial. I felt like God was punishing me. And I hated correction and discipline. Okay, we're going to release middle school because they get the wiggles and they're going to need to talk this out. Middle school can go because I'm done describing the older brother and you guys are going to finish it up in your class and let you guys wiggle it out. Okay. <clears throat> so here is what I hope is obvious. The older brother thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was right. The deception with the older brother syndrome is that we don't think we're the problem. We think that the younger brother is the problem. So let's recap. Older brother orphan works their fingers to the bone, just trying to get the father to look their way. Just trying to 
See my work. See what I'm doing. Look. Looking for favor. They're faithful servants who have experienced disappointment after betrayal, after tragedy, after pain, and they didn't deal with it. And this is the place that it took hold because refusing to deal with the pain then comes bitterness, resentment, jealousy. And now we lack vision, don't celebrate wins, can't take correction, won't communicate and express our needs, and we don't come into the celebration. Catch this, though. The older brothers are the ones that are doing the work. Most people in leadership roles around you are older brothers, even in the church, probably especially in the church. But there is a high chance that someone that you are around or that you have to submit to, a boss, a teacher, a mentor, a leader, a coach, a friend, a spouse, are suffering from the older brother problem. And it has probably hurt you. And that's very real. That's very real, and that needs to be dealt with. I've been that leader. I've been an orphan leader. And I've had a trail of messes. I've also had leaders that were older brothers. But today, I want us to try to recognize where that orphan heart, the older brother, shows up in us. Because orphans wound other orphans. Oftentimes, the wound of an older brother hurts so deeply because we ourselves are also suffering from the same older brother or younger brother orphan heart. But here's what I want you to see. How did the father deal with the older brother? And here's what he said. Son... You are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. That word son is technon in the Greek, which means mature son, and it is a term of endearment. And that is a different son than they used earlier in the text. What was used earlier was, I'm going to say it wrong, huis, H-U-I-S, which Uh, was a more general term for son. But when the older brother comes at him with probably his finger wagon, it's like, I can't believe this. And, you know, we're celebrating and this is ridiculous. And I've never gotten a young goat to celebrate with my friends. I can't believe you're doing this. And the Lord responds by saying, my mature son, 
that I love you, that I love so deeply. See, he was calling those things that were not as though they are because that was not a mature response of the older brother, right? But he was saying, my mature son that I love so much, all that is mine is yours. You have always had access to what is mine. I don't know why you're working like a servant because that's not ever what I asked of you. You've been here with me this whole time and you've always had access. I just want you to partner with me. I just want you to let me in. I just want you to let me love you like a son. I just want you to let me bless you. Just ask me. Ask me what you need. Come into my presence. You're always here. The orphan heart wants you to think that you have no one and all the work is on you. And that's a lie because the Lord says, all that is mine is yours. The orphan heart wants you to feel disconnected from the Lord, but he's saying, you've always been in this house with me. The orphan heart wants you to use anger, bitterness, frustration, anxiety, and offense as protection. But the Lord just wants you in his presence. That is enough protection. The orphan heart wants you jealous of others' success. And the Lord just wants you rejoicing because you have access to all that they have access to. The orphan heart wants you as an outsider, outside the celebration, and the Lord wants you to come in embracing joy and rest. And so here's the thing is that we don't know if the older brother ever went into the celebration. And so you have a choice. Are you going to go in? Do you like where you are outside the celebration? When you look around and you see all those symptoms of the older brother showing up in your life, are you happy there? Is it producing the fruit that you want it to produce? Is it getting you the results that you thought it would? All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Take a minute to imagine your life if you could be rid of all of that older brother baggage. If you could walk in sonship, if you could enter the celebration, walk in freedom, close with the Father, without shame holding you back. 
would your life look different? Would you treat people differently? Would you serve the Lord differently? Would you disciple differently? Would you be a better parent or a better spouse? This is a process. This getting free from the older brother. And I wonder if that's why it just dropped off in the story. Because, you know, like the younger brother, you know, you know the resolution came. The resolution came with the ring and the robe and the sandals and he instantly went in. We know that we can get delivered from reckless living like that in an instant. I know it because it's happened and other people that I know it's happened. I think the older brother is a process. Because it's a lot of wrong thinking over a lot of years. And a lot of wrong thinking that we thought was right. It's a lot of smushing down pain. And it still creeps up. Like I said, it crept up on me this week when I started really listing it out and realizing, wow, still do that. Oh, still do that. It showed up heavy on me the week that my daughter got married because I, I, I am orphaned. Both my parents have passed away. And I remember telling my friends, and I'm just emoting and just crying, going, I have never felt more orphaned in my life than when I'm trying to plan a wedding. There's no help. I don't have help, which I did. I had my church family showed up like kings and queens, okay? And... But, it, but, but I didn't want that help. <laughs> I wanted to be able to burden my parents who are supposed to help me. I didn't want to burden other people. I didn't want to ask other people for help. And I was so mad at them for dying that week. Like, how could you? But it shows up, and it's a process. We've got to process our pain as it comes. Communicate our needs in a healthy way. Live free from defense mechanisms so that we can embrace love, peace, and joy. Celebrate when others win. Come into the feast and live from a place of gratitude and celebration. <laughs> and this is the big one. Receive discipline in a healthy way and grow from it. Wow, there are so many typos on that thing. Don't look at that. Don't take a picture of it. No shame. Yeah, that's right. Whew. Let it go. So here's where we're going to start. So this week, i got to put this in here real quick. As you go through this week, I want you to acknowledge where the older brother is showing up in your life. And go on a journey of identifying the unprocessed pain in your life. And dare I say, approach the Father and enter the feast. 
So our, our reading plan for this week is John chapter 13 and do your hear journal. That's the, that's the reading plan that we do as a, um, as a church. So do that and memorize John 1.12. But we are going to... We're going to start by breaking agreement with some, some of the false protections that we've partnered with and just start the journey. Do you guys want to start the journey? Okay. And then we'll come back next week and we're going to learn about the love of the Father and we're going to learn about what it means to walk in sonship and what that's like. So here we go. I have this prayer. If you guys, can you read it? Is that something, or do I need to just like, I need to say it back and forth or we just read, you guys want to read it together? Can you see it enough to read it? Okay. All right. Stand up because we're really getting into this. All right, we're going to read this together, okay? Say it with me. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I confess my sin of jealousy, bitterness, unforgiveness, frustration, and anger. They do not do a good job of protecting me. Only you can do that. I break agreement with the partnership I made with them. I repent for thinking I'm right, for misunderstanding your heart, for not celebrate when others win, and for misjudging those who are created in your image. I forgive those who have hurt me. Now take a minute. Just take a minute and start forgiving the people who have hurt you. And just take a deep breath. I release them to you, and I forgive them. Jesus, things have been hard. I haven't felt your presence, and I want to feel you again. I don't want to be a servant. I want to be your daughter. I am always with you. I am remembering that I already have my ring of authority, my robe that restores, and the sandals that symbolize my freedom. I am ready to come into the celebration with you. Amen.